You know, this morning we're looking into uh, a particular psalm, Psalm 23, and I was uh, I tried to do some research, but I didn't find the actual number. But I thought that if I were to somehow or another take a survey, take a poll, and see the top ten verses uh, in the Bible, top ten as in uh, most popular, the top ten verses that people know or are familiar with, and um, I couldn't find, if you can find that, let me know, I'd love to see that, but uh, in my own uh, life, I thought about these verses, what would be in the top ten, I imagine that probably similar to most of you, John 3.16, right, would be probably number one, right, most people memorize that, uh, even a lot of uh, people who aren't familiar with the church or the Bible know John 3.16, uh, another one would probably be Genesis 1.1, like, People like the beginning of books and the ends of books. Uh, so Genesis 1-1 probably be another one. Uh, maybe the Ten Commandments, like a lot of people know this. Uh, Exodus 20, they probably wouldn't be able to quote all Ten Commandments, but uh, most people are familiar with the Ten Commandments. Um, but uh, I'm not sure what the other top ten would be, but in my own life and in uh, my own observation, I would imagine that Psalm 23 would be in the top 10 verses in the Bible, the most familiar, the most recognizable. So if you don't know Psalm 23, we're going to look into it this morning, and we're going to dive deeply into it, dig out some treasures, and uh, I want to share with you what I personally learned. You know, Psalm 23 is dear to me. I personally, and you may not even believe this story, but when I was in first grade, uh, my teacher, we would begin our classes, this is in Mississippi, or Mississippi, we used to say, uh, we would begin our public uh, school class by reciting Psalm 23. Can you imagine doing that in public school today? In fact, it was, there was a blackboard, and then there was the ABCs above that, and then, I guess I'll remember this, and above that, across the whole length of the wall was Psalm 23. And we started our day in a public school by doing that. Uh, that was pretty cool. So I'm deeply familiar with Psalm 23. Um, so this morning we're going to be looking at that psalm, and I know that it's been an encouragement to uh, even millions of people for thousands of years, if you can think of that magnitude. Uh, some people, perhaps some of you here, have been impacted by Psalm 23. And so I'm going to share a few treasures from Psalm 23, and then at the end of the summer we're going to look at some ways that you can apply uh, these treasures and what we learned from Psalm 23 to your own life. So if you'll pray with me, and we will, uh, after that we'll dive into our scripture. Um, Lord God, uh, we are here as your church, Father. We are diving into your scripture this morning, a scripture that's been left to us for thousands of years. And, and I know that perhaps millions of people have been blessed and encouraged and um, have, been, have really just looked up to this first, Father God. And so as your church this morning, we are diving into the psalm written by David. I pray, God, that you will speak into our own lives. Father, I know even right this moment that some of us are in the hospital, uh, Father, or, or we have loved ones that are in the emergency room, even at this moment, Father. And I pray, God, that um, through your Holy Spirit, through your power, that you will speak powerfully and mightily to the lives of everyone listening. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So let me begin by reading it. I know that it's been read again. I'm going to read it in a different translation than was previously read. There are many different uh, translations of the Bible, if you know. We're going to read, or I'm going to read for you, uh, for the King James Version. <laughs> I don't know when's the last time a King James Version has been read in our church, or much less in my life. But I personally, personally prefer the Psalms in the King James Version. It's just, it speaks, it's very poetic, it's, they, they maintain a rhyme schematic, so... Uh, if you ever want to know, the King James Version is very good uh, in regards to Psalms. So let me read Psalm 23, 1 through 4. It's in your bulletins, it's in your Bible as well. It says this, David wrote this psalm and said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So you know, uh, as I began to study this scripture this morning, I had to ask this question. Why is this psalm so meaningful, so meaningful to so many people? And I, I really believe that the reason that this psalm is so popular, I would even put it in the top ten, is has something to do with the theme of this psalm. And the theme of this psalm is guidance and protection in dark times. Guidance and protection in dark times. And there is a universal appeal to the thought of someone watching over our lives, especially when all seems lost. So I considered making the title of this sermon, What to Do When in Deep Doo-Doo, but I thought <laughs> Verses for Life would be more appropriate. So before we get into this psalm in all seriousness, uh, let me share some candid observations taken from these verses. So this psalm is written by David. He was a king of Israel at that time. In the psalm there are sheep and there is a shepherd. Uh, king David is the sheep in the psalm, and God is the shepherd. Though the psalm uh, was a personal psalm written by David, David personally wrote this as a, as a record of his relationship with God, and it describes his relationship with God and his Savior, but we as the readers are invited to join David in this psalm. We, in essence, become the sheep. And God becomes our shepherd by placing ourselves in the sun. So perhaps some of you feel uncomfortable by putting on, uh, stepping into sheep's clothing. Maybe some of you consider yourself a tiger, right? Or, or an eagle, or a lion. But to fully appreciate this psalm, which speaks for itself, and comforting and sustaining literally millions of people for thou over thousands of years, I invite you for the next few minutes to become the sheep in this song. You are the sheep and there is a shepherd. The shepherd's name in the psalm is Yahweh. The shepherd gives you everything that you could ever need, so much so that you can truly say that I shall not be and won't. And this shepherd makes you lie down in green pastures and he leads you besides the still waters. And it's here that uh, we stop to take a look at our first treasure taken from these scriptures. 
In verse 2, it reads, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. So the author of this psalm or this psaltery paints for us an imagery of green pastures surrounded by still waters. Now, for you, I don't know what you envision or imagine when you read this verse. Perhaps you think of city field, all right? with this green left field, and right field, and center field. I don't know what you imagine when you think of green pastures, but for me, I'm brought back to my times in Ireland. Uh, I've been to Ireland a couple times, and I can honestly say that I, I love Ireland, and if you've never been there, I highly recommend it. The last time that I was in Ireland, I, Carolyn and I took a tour bus to the hill countries of southern Ireland, and it was magical. Some might say it's magically delicious. <laughs> it's magically delicious. Uh, but if uh, there was, um, I, while I was there, I saw some of the most wonderful, and I'm trying to describe for you, splendid, some words that I can use, and all inspiring green pastures this planet Earth has to offer. And there were lakes in some of these fields, and there's streams, and they're winding each way. And there were sheep, but we saw lots of sheep. In Ireland, and it was really heavenly. And this is what I imagine that David saw, what he was referring to when he speaks of the green pastures and the still waters. And this is what we need sometimes in our life, if not all of the times. We need these green pastures and we need these still waters in our lives. And yes, these things are really a necessity of life. If you think about it, sheep, they eat grass. If you didn't know, and then they, obviously they drink water. But I don't think that David, as he was describing the scene and his walk with God, I don't think that he was talking about food and water. I mean, that's kind of boring. David is writing about a time in his life when it's very chaotic. And, you know, when I'm surrounded by chaos in my life, I don't comfort myself by remembering that God gives me food and water. I mean, that's not just, it doesn't make sense there. I think that David is speaking of something more deep here. I think he's thinking and speaking of peace and tranquility and calmness and quietness and stillness. And I believe that David was thinking back to a time before he became king, a time when he was a shepherd, a time when things were simple, a time when all that he had to do, though it may be, may be difficult, he had to watch his sheep. And he himself had to lead his sheep to these green pastures and these still waters. And as David wrote the psalm to God his Father, could it be that he was remembering and longing for a time in his life when things were simple? When there was no chaos surrounding his life? A time when those closest to him were not hounding him or hunting him. David, in essence, was longing for a time and place that could restore his soul. Life was a mess. And David needed someone to pull him out of this chaos. And it was Yahweh, his shepherd, that he turned to to deliver him. And note here that David includes this unusual but telling phrase in the psalm. David says that the Lord, his shepherd, makes him lie down in verse 2. Now, in English, uh, this looks like an imperative. It looks like God is 
commanding David, you must lie down. You must, he's forcing David to lie down during the chaos in his life. And sometimes God honestly does that. In the chaos of our lives, God forces us to stop and really just be still and know that he is God. But this verse actually isn't saying this. Uh, in the original language, Hebrew, there's this verb phrase, and it's not a command. It's not God saying, lie down, David. He's not commanded David to do that, but rather it describes a process. The verb tense here is being more vivid and pictorial. Uh, it's an imperfect verb tense, and it adds color and movement by suggesting that there is a process preliminary to his completion. Now, in other words, David is painting a picture of God gently guiding and preparing and placing David in a lush green pasture. It's like God is patting down the grass for uh, David to lie down in. Another translation uh, uses, translates this, this Psalm 23, and it's called the Message Translation, and it eloquently translates the verse in this way. The message translates Psalm 23 and it says, You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath. And you send me in the right direction. Basically, God is saying to David in this psalm, He's saying, lie down, I've prepared a place for you. I've brought you here and I've prepared this place. And David in the psalm, again, it's reflecting his relationship with God, his shepherd. And David lies down in the green pasture. And this is how David describes the scene with God. My soul is restored. Verse 3. Literally, David says, my soul, my soul is restored. Or in King James, he restoreth my soul. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, David is revitalized. He's restored. The shepherd can bring you to a place where your soul is restored. Isn't that something that we all need in our lives? Now this soul, this word for soul here in verse 3 is not referring to your spirit as we might think, but it's restoring, uh, referring to your complete self, your body and your mind, and including your spirit and your soul. But it's a complete self. David's soul was restored. Isn't that beautiful? And while we're still dwelling in these uh, lovely and magical green pastures along with David, uh, know what David says about the waters. There's not just green pastures, but the waters are there, and they are still. In verse 2, God, Yahweh, our shepherd, he leads us to these still waters. Now, I'm no expert when it comes to watering sheep. I don't know if you guys have ever watered or tended any sheep. I've been to some zoos and some state farms where there's sheep. Uh, but I personally never herded or uh, shepherded real sheep. But in doing a little research, I discovered that sheep will not drink from moving water, from rushing water. Like, sheep just won't do it. I don't know if they're afraid of being sucked down river or falling in. But in general, sheep will only drink from still water, move, uh, water that's not moving. And David paints this picture of God, our shepherd, leading us to this wonderful place full of green pastures and still waters, all so that we can calm our souls, rest our souls, and restore our souls. And it's truly beautiful uh, psalm when you look deeper into it. Who wouldn't here want to be there? I mean, this is an amazing place that David is describing. 
And for that matter, who wouldn't want to follow a shepherd that leads us to a place like that? So with the pleasantries out of the way in the psalm, now we move on to darker times. And verse 4 speaks of dark valleys. David writes this, and he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So you and I, to be honest, we both know that there will be dark times in our lives. We, I've never met somebody who lives a fairytale life. I never have. This world has fallen and is broken, and for that reason, all of us, uh, one way or another, or one day or another, will walk through the, the dark valleys. The, last week I read an article about an American poker. Uh, he, apparently you can be a pro poker player. I, I don't follow him or follow this show, but his name is Rich Alati. And during one of these professional pro that's actually televised, uh, he made a bet. Uh, one of his uh, competitors made a bet with him, and he said, has nothing to do with poker, but he, he, he gambled, I guess. And he said, I bet you $100,000 that you cannot spend 30 days in the dark by yourself with no human contact. Now, who would take that challenge up? $100,000, 30 days in the dark, complete dark, by yourself. I see a hand right there. I'm like, put you in contact with him. Right, so he takes up his challenge, this guy, uh, Rich Alati. And so they, they actually televise the whole thing. I don't know if it's coming out in a series or what, but he's in a bathroom, he has like basic necessities, but he's in the dark, for, he attempts to stay in the dark for 30 days, like no human contact. It's, it was a little bit, it's almost a psychological experiment. It, uh, he ended up not completing the task, but he still won $62,000. He was only able to stay there 20 days. But during that time, he describes the whole scene. I read this great article, and he started to hallucinate and started to make up imaginary friends. And I mean, can you imagine? And the reason being, because humans are not meant to spend so much time in the dark. Like, we're meant to be in the light. We're meant to be with human interaction. I mean, after a while, you just start making up imaginary friends. And David, in our psalm today, speaks of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Walking through this dark valley. Now, valley of the shadow of death uh, derives from two Hebrew words. The first word is dark. means dark, deep shadows. The second word is death or grave. So literally, the valley of dark, shadowy death. This is what David is talking about, describing walking through. And it's not a place that you want to be in. But David speaks of reality. And this valley that all of us will one day pass through. And it's here that we stop to find our next treasure in this psalm. If you've ever been in a dark valley, physically, spiritually, or even metaphorically, then you know that it's difficult to see the light uh, in the midst of the darkness. For some reason, when things are down, we look down. Ever thought about that? When things are down, we look down. Or when the weight of the world weighs our shoulder, it's difficult to lift our head. But take comfort. There is hope, even in the valleys. Listen to three avenues of hope that David illuminates, uh, even while in the dark valleys. First, David dispels fear because he knows that the shepherd is with him. Even in this valley, he says this in verse 4, and he says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
As I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, Psalm 23 resonates with so many people because nobody wants to go through the dark valleys alone. And from the wisdom, personal psalm of David, hear this. There is a shepherd that will walk with you through the darkest valleys. And it's the same shepherd that leads you to these green pastures and will walk with you. He will walk with you through the darkest valleys. It's the same shepherd. Have hope. You are not alone. Second, be comforted by the rod and staff of the great shepherd. Now, lots of commentaries have attempted to, or at least tried to explain the differences between a rod and staff. I personally don't know the differences, but some commentaries say one is for discipline and the other is for protection. So that maybe the shepherd will discipline the sheep when they run off and he will protect the, sh the sheep uh, when something uh, comes to attack them, like bears or, or other dangers. But David is saying, take comfort in the rod and staff of the shepherd. There is one that fights for you. There is one that protects you. Though you may not see because of the darkness. And listen to this. Yahweh is fighting your battles. This is David's personal reflection. And that's what he says. That Yahweh is fighting your battles for you. He is your shepherd. You are his sheep. And with that, his responsibility. Third, be confident that the shepherd is also a pathfinder. So note that in David's psalm, uh, the shepherd is the one guiding the sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not the sheep guiding themselves, but rather the shepherd that guides the sheep. The shepherd guides the sheep because he is the only one that knows the right path. The shepherd is guiding the sheep along the path of righteousness, actually, Psalm says, uh, David says in Psalm in verse 3. And he is leading them along the path because he knows what lies ahead. Remember, this is a picture of David walking with God, and this is how he depicts God. And he's leading us along this path because he knows where the path is leading. So David writes in the psalm that he fears not and he is comforted because the shepherd is with him and the shepherd protects him with his rod and with his staff and the shepherd guides him as sheep along the right path in the path of righteousness so as we come to the end of our psalm uh, today let me share some personal application that you can take from David's psalm and the first is this let God Yahweh be your personal shepherd let God Yahweh be your personal shepherd Note that in the psalm, there are no other sheep. Though Yahweh has many sheep in his fold, in the psalm, there is only God and David. God is the God of the multitude, but also the God of the individual. And though God may lead the millions and even billions to the green pastures and still waters, it is still your decision to follow God as your personal shepherd. You must choose to place your faith and trust in this God and follow him through the valleys into the green pastures and still waters. Another application we can take from the psalm is as a blueprint for troubled times in your life. In the psalm, clearly David was troubled. 
It was a time in his life when he needed refreshing. His soul needed to be restored. And in this psalm, if you look closely, the only action that David actually took during this whole ordeal was that he said this in verse 1, I shall not be in want, and I shall fear no evil. God did everything else. And during this whole ordeal, the only action required by David, the sheep, was I shall, I, I shall not be in want, and I shall fear no evil. I shall not be in want, and I shall fear no evil. Could it be that in times of shadowy, deathly valleys, that all that we need to do is rely on the Good Shepherd? And in faith, declare that we need not be in want, and that we have nothing to fear. Take David's psalm as a blueprint for times of trouble. And declare, I shall not be a wolf, and I shall fear no evil, because the shepherd is with me. And finally, take from the psalm an invitation to walk with the Lord God, Yahweh, as your shepherd. Be not a lone wolf, or a pouncing tiger, or a roaring lion, or however you would describe yourself. Instead, be, take it upon yourself to be a humble sheep. The promises of following the Good Shepherd are green pastures, still waters, comfort from the shepherd's rod and staff, and someone greater than you to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. Someone greater than you to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. If you've stopped believing that the Lord will take you through the valleys, then let this be your reminder. If you've never, if you've yet to believe and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then let this be your invitation. Let's close today's sermon by rising and reading our psalm together. Psalm 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd, shall 